Well, Lord, it's been a wonderful thing just to be able to sing your praises here. From the bottom of our hearts, we worship you. And now, Lord, as we look to your word, we recognise you're a God who speaks, you're a God who calls. You're a personal God. Thank you for your presence with us here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. It's uh, so good, church, to have our founding pastor, Peter, sharing with us. I don't know about you, but maybe with a raise raised hand, how many people were really blessed by the stories in that 30th booklet that Peter put together, your faith stirred? We just want to say thank you, Peter, for that. It was amazing. Um, and uh, great to have Peter sharing as our founding pastor. So uh, could we uh, welcome Peter as he comes to share with us? And hasn't Pastor Andrew done a great job leading us as a church? I should say that as well, Andrew, while Nathan's been away. He's only got one more week. He's just one more week and then he'll be back with us, which we look forward to as well. There are many great things about getting old. Did you know that? Many, many, many great things. I had another grandson, Romeo, last week. Wow, Romeo. If, listen, hold on a moment. No, just, just a short thing. Um, if any babies are called Juliet sometime in the future in this church, let me know straight away. Early planning. I call that early planning. So, uh, yep, just a little thing on the side there. Well, let's get back to the Word. Come on now. Yeah, yeah, back to the Word. Wow. Um, the one thing that I was going to highlight about getting old, once I lost track there, is that you, you get this opportunity to see many of the things that you believe for by faith have actually become reality. I remember being outside the house when the house was the only thing on this property and I used to look down over that property and wonder, wonder initially but then prayed with faith that we'd get a church home and I don't pray that prayer anymore because we've got a church home, praise God. That's how it is. Things you believe by faith become reality. I've prayed with um, many people in this church but here's a few of them, Wayne and Lynn, I used to pray uh, for their son Luke uh, when he was in jail and other places and uh, I remember praying with Reg and Mary Pascoe for their grandson, David. And I also remember praying with Bruce and Annette Rattray for their son, Paul, uh, that they would surrender their life. He would surrender his life to Jesus. I don't pray those anymore. Did you know that? I've stopped praying them. Because Luke is now helping kids in youth detention find Jesus. David's now reaching the least rich people in the Middle East, as we know. And Paul now works with an organisation which has recently um, ticked off that milestone of a billion people that have been reached with the gospel. Now, it's good to look back sometimes and see what God does, isn't it? Yeah. The situations and lives where we prayed by faith and God has done amazing things. Now, some of you are thinking already, but hold on a moment, Peter. What about all the prayers that you've prayed that haven't been answered? And I've got some of those I'm still praying. The things which haven't become reality. What about those seasons where so little seemed to happen? What about when God didn't seem to say very much? Well, they're good questions. They're great questions. And, certainly, and they certainly get us thinking a lot about faith and, and how faith works or maybe sometimes how it seems it doesn't work for us sometimes as well. And this is what I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to reflect on this morning. It's about faith, okay? So th this is our, our topic for this morning. Faith is a really big deal in the Bible. Hebrews says, without it, what? Without it, you can't please God. Yeah, you can't please God. Yeah, it's important. God's looking for faith. He delights when he finds it and he's disappointed when he doesn't find it. 
So it's important that we are expressing faith in our lives. But there's another good reason too why um, God wants us to reflect on faith this morning. And that's because in our Genesis series, we've arrived at Abraham who was described as what? The father of all who believe. So obviously God wants us to think about faith in him this morning. So we're focused in on that. Hope you've got your, you know, your minds going there right now. Now there are 14 chapters of Genesis devoted to Abram or Abraham. He gets a name change in the middle, so don't get confused. I'm talking about the same guy, whichever name I use, okay? He's a very significant person in God's redemptive plans for, for the world. Now, if you read 14 chapters and then you preach on 14 chapters about a man who lived for 175 years, that does not bode well for the sermon listeners this morning. <laughs> Long sermon coming up. So I've chosen four episodes. I I thought I'd have pity here this morning upon you. Um, I've chosen four episodes in Abraham's journey to focus on. I should have only chosen three, but you persevere with me. I'm number four too now, won't you? Here are the four questions. Here they are. How does faith work in your life? What happens if your faith is faltering? How does God grow our faith? And what's the greatest expression of faith in our lives? So, you ready to begin? I'm not going to mention those questions again. you just got to keep them in your mind if you possibly can. Here we go. We're going to start in chapter 12. We read this, Genesis 1 in chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now in this opening account, God tells Abraham to leave his home, um, to leave his relatives and to head off to the land which God would show him. And then God shares you know, an incredible promise about the mighty things he's planned to do through his life. Now this is where faith always begins. It is sourced in what God has said. It's his responsibility to initiate faith in our lives, not our own. Many people make a mistake when they think about faith. They think that faith is about summoning some sort of feeling, some, you know, manufacturing this certainty within us that God will do something. That is actually back to front. Faith is about receiving a word, a revelation from God, and then choosing to respond with belief and trust in what he said and obeying anything that he asks us to do. There can, of course, be some really strong feelings that are, get associated with that, I realise, but, but that's, that's how it works for Now, that sounds pretty straightforward. Who wouldn't want to respond to something you hear from God? But it can be daunting, can't it, to do some of the things that God asks of us and some of the things that he promises to us can sort of seem a bit out there sometimes. For Abraham, the cost, substantial. It would mean leaving home and um, departing from his family network, having no, no idea where he was going to end up. It was just, let's head off with God. It was believing that through his life, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Now, that's a big statement for anyone to process. But despite the costs and the unknowns and the amazing nature of what God had promised, we read this in Genesis 12, 4. So Abraham went, he went as the Lord had told him. And that's what God delighted in. It's a very liberating way to understand faith. The life of faith is a matter of listening to God. When he speaks to you, believe what he says and doing what he tells you to do. That's how you came to faith in the first place, isn't it? 
Think about how, how you got into the kingdom of God. You are listening to things that God was saying to you, the truth about Jesus, what He had done, what He promises. Verses like this one, you know, John 3, 14 and 15, grabbed your heart or this truth grabbed your heart. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. This is Jesus. That everyone who believes, what? May have eternal life in Him. Now, the day that God revealed that truth to us, the day we understood that understood that Jesus had died for me as we've been reflecting on the words that Andrew's already spoken this morning, bore my sin in his body so that I could be saved. And we responded with faith by taking hold of that promise for ourselves. Then on the guarantees of God's Word to us, what? We are saved. We're saved. Isn't that good news this morning? It is. That's how faith operates. That's what we affirmed in the communion service that we share. It's wonderful. And as that's true for us, as we enter into the kingdom, it's true for every day that we live in the kingdom of God. It's the life of faith. We listen daily to the instructions and the directions of God and we respond with trust and obedience. In a service just like this on the 6th of March this year, I had a bit of a look to make sure I had the right date. Through the words of Pastor Andrew, he was speaking a sermon about being not only hearers of the Word of God, but doers of the Word. And through an answer that I received on that particular day that I had prayed that if God wanted me to become an RI teacher, he would cause someone in this church to talk to me about it that particular day, like chance conversation, little fleece that I put out there. Well, someone did. Someone did. They talked to me on that particular day. And so I drew this faith conclusion that God was calling me to do some RI teaching. Now, being such, now I've mentioned that in the past, I'm, I'm here from the pulpit, but um, you being such a loving church, you've been checking in on me, haven't you? I've been having quite a few people ask me, how's it all going with the RI teaching, Peter? Yeah. So I just thought I'd get it right out there so no one has to ask me again. Well, just at the moment anyway, any more about this. So I'll just let you know where it's up to. Along with some others that have been called in this church, similar calling to mine. You'd be listening this morning. You might have one for you this very morning concerning this. In fact, some training's coming up in our eyes. I understand it. So be listening. You never know. God might have something for you. I've completed my three compulsory training modules. There you go. I've been active. I've been responding. By faith, I'm trusting that I can receive some practical training in this next term. And by next year, I am believing that my faith is going to become reality and I will be an RI teacher in a state school in Brisbane. That's what I'm believing for. Come on. Now, I hope you're all clapping there. I hope that means that you are too like to be faith-filled people listening to Jesus. So I, I take that that's a good response. It's your heart here this morning. Now, when you talk about faith in this way, you know, that's the way that it operates. It does sound simple and it is simple in one sense. But the life of faith doesn't always go so smoothly as many of us know. In obedient faith, Abraham arrives in the land where God wanted him to be, but a severe famine forced him to go down to Egypt. Now, his wife, Sarai, is probably around 65 years of age and she's obviously holding up very, very well. 
There was no Botox back then either. I just want to add that too. Because Abraham grows very worried about the Egyptians that they'll see his beautiful wife, kill him, and she'll end up in the harem of the Pharaoh. So as a safety precaution, he tells Sarai to say, say that you're my sister, not my wife. Now, it was sort of technically true, but it's not true. As a lot of, a lot of lies are like that, aren't they? Yes, bit of truth in them, but a bit of untruth in them. Now, his worst fears, they were actually realised. Yep, sure enough, she ends up in there. In the, in, the, um, in the harem, not a good place for a wife to be. But Abram ends up in the good books. Um, he brought this beautiful sister, sister, down to Egypt's kingdom. Now think about this. You think about this. Abraham has just had God promise that he's going to make him a great nation and everyone's going to be blessed through him. But he is doubting if God's got the capacity to protect him from the powers of Pharaoh in Egypt. What do you think? It's easy when you read the Bible like that, isn't it? Say, well, you know, that was, that was not the smartest thing to do, but doesn't he, isn't he trusting God? Where is the faith of this so-called man of faith? These are actually the accounts that I really, really get warm to in the Bible. Did you know that? I really do. Because they reveal the frailties that are found in the heroes of the faith. The moments when their faith, you know, faltered and, how God responded in their lack of trust in moments and occasions just like that. It's best, of course, when facing these sort of moments that we resist them in Christ's strength. It would have been better if he hadn't done what he did. But even if we have succumbed, like dear Abram did here, then God's dealings with Abram remind us that there are paths back to where God wants us to be. Listen to how God sorted out the pickle that Abraham had got himself into and his darling wife into and Pharaoh himself into as well. This is what God did. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Abram summoned Abraham, Abram, sorry. What have you done to me? He said, Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. So Abraham went up from Egypt to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. He ends up back where he had come from. Because of the goodness of God. God's good. Hear this this morning. He loves getting us back on track. When we've been waylaid somewhere through our fears or some other tactic that Satan uses us to to doubt God's God's goodness or his power. God's got plans to get us back because he loves us, folks. In that history that um, Andrew's mentioned this morning, some of you may have read about a time way back in the early years of the history, during the wilderness years, when bound the footy club. We'd actually set um, an outreach portion of our annual budget around 6%. This is a bit more of the backstory of that little snippet that was included in there. Now, financial resources were very scarce in those early years. I mean, really, really scarce. And 
And that was an area, the outreach budget was an area that we could sort of minimise a little bit our, our, our outlays. Now, because God loves us so much, he has ways of letting us know that things aren't as he quite wants them to be. As it turned out, I happened to be chatting to my brother and somehow or other, the outreach budget number came up in our conversation and I remember there was this questioning in my, in my, in my, in my brother's conversation with me about whether we had actually allocated what was appropriate, even though we may be small and few resources as a church. They were words that weighed on me, sort of alerted me. And so I mentioned this to the church council and we prayed and talked about this matter and there was this really, really united agreement that the, the, the Lord who speaks... He speaks individually, he speaks corporately. The Lord who speaks was making clear that our 6% outreach budget wasn't an expression of trust in him. That he was able to supply all that we needed and more for that matter. And so I stood up on the following Sunday and said the council believes that God wants us to immediately increase our outreach giving to be over 10% and that we would plan to always keep it over 10%. If you let your fears, and it's often fear, or or any other tactic for that matter that the darkness uses to get you off track in your faith, well, the really, really wonderful news this morning is that God's got a plan to get you back. Did you know that? He's got a plan. He's so full of grace those moments when things aren't as they should be the reason that some of you are here this morning or some of you are actually watching online this morning you've just maybe chanced to be with us is because God's got a really really great plan to get you back to get us back if somehow or others an area of our life or maybe the totality of our life is off track and he's able to restore He's able to take you to the place that he intends, he wants you to be, walking close with him in every area of your life. So faith is responding in trust and obedience to God's revelation. And when our faith falters, God's committed to getting us back on track. We're halfway through. How are you going? You're hanging in there? Good, good. Here we go. Number three. But it's not just the place of failures where God shows up to strengthen our faith. When you walk with God, he will again and again encourage and deepen our faith and trust in him. He's brilliant like this. As the years passed for Abram, more and more of God's amazing plans were revealed to him. More blessings flowed to him. Earlier promises that God had given, they kept being affirmed, being expanded upon. To the promise, listen to these, to the promise in chapter 12 that all the families of the earth would be blessed through him. God tells him in chapter 13 that all the land of Cana would belong to his descendants. In chapter 15, God reveals that he was going to have a son. In chapter 17, he and wife Sarai get new names, Abraham and Sarah, and are told that although they're older, you know, that was obvious, but they are the ones through whom this promised son would come. And then more encouragement and insight comes in chapter 18, which I want to focus on just a little bit more because the scene is so amazing. It's considered by many to be a Christophany, which is the term that 
that scholars use to describe it when Jesus appears in a pre-incarnate form. The account tells of three visitors who turn up at Abraham's tent and Abraham rushes around and gets Sarah involved in it as well to get a meal organised, which the three men enjoy, one of whom is referred to as the Lord. And in the middle of the meal, Abraham is told, or at the end of the meal, is told that by the, the time, this time next year, that the son that had been promised to he and Sarah would be born. So it's even getting clearer. You're going to have a son, but it's going to be in the next 12 months. He's going to arrive on the scene. Now think about this. There's no glory cloud here at the moment. There's no angelic choir. There's no pillar of fire. It's just people sharing a meal, passing on some good news about the future and affirming how great God is. This is where that terrific faith booster actually comes from. You might have heard this, this statement. Genesis 18, verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? If you wondered where that came from, it's here. It's from this part. What this scene and the one which follows, where the Lord lets Abraham know his plans about the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, where his nephew Lot is there, so that Abraham can do some interceding and all of those things. But both of these things reveal the nature of Abraham's relationship with God. It's described like this in James 2.23. You ready? And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. God's friend. The scene of Genesis 18 is how friends act. They share meals together. They talk about life. They pass on good news. They reveal the things that are on their heart. They're encouragers of one another. God is such a great, great friend. Did you know that? He's a terrific friend. The best encourager you will ever find in life. The one who delights in building our faith and our trust in him. And what's one of the great things about living a long time? Because you find out how good and how consistent he never fails. Did you know that? He never fails. We may, we, we fail, we've lost, but he never fails. I wanted to linger on this scene because it reveals how Jesus' spirit just, just loves to share life so intimately with us. How he's so deeply committed to leading and guiding and developing our faith. And how often... In the seemingly most ordinary moments, he's there revealing himself and, and what he desires for our lives. As we sit here this morning, it can seem pretty ordinary. Does it feel ordinary out there? You've been here a few times before, maybe. You're doing your bit. You're looking here, trying to listen in to the preacher. You're doing a bit of worship and praise. All those sort of things. Pretty ordinary. But think about this just for a moment. We have been expressing our praise to the one who we know made the world, made us, and has a wonderful plan to put all things right when Jesus returns. Do you know what a blessing that is for us to know as we sit here this morning? Truth revealed to us by the living God himself. Do you know how incredibly blessed you are to know that? The world out there is running around worrying about this, worrying about that. We, we know who's got it all under his good hand. We know how it all ends. 
Are we blessed this morning? Oh, it seems ordinary, but it's not. It's extraordinary that these truths have been revealed to us. We have just shared in the most special meal that anyone can share in on planet Earth. Did you know that? Some of you have done it hundreds, maybe thousands of times. We remember what Jesus has done to make possible the forgiveness of our sins and to be able to abide in Him every days of our lives. Josie Jacko told us how much people in India are trying to find something that will bring forgiveness of sin. Did you hear that? Your hearts break when you heard that. We, we just come in every, every Sunday. We know this incredible truth. Wow. We're listening to God's voice right now as we reflect on His precious Word, as He encourages and grows our faith and trust in Him every day. Do you know how wonderful that is to have God encouraging you this morning? Like that's... That's amazing. We know that. That's what he's here to do. For some this morning, it could be one of those very special days when something of particular significance takes place. This might be the moment that someone comes into the very kingdom of God. You believe, you've been thinking about Jesus and what it would mean to follow him. And this is the morning he's going to call you. He's calling you and he's saying, well, I'm going to give my life to him this very day. Wouldn't that be a good day for someone here this morning? How wonderful. Maybe for others, there is, there is a special calling. Maybe you are being called to be an RI teacher and you've been pushing it off a little bit like maybe I might have at one time too. But Jesus has been reminding you you can't escape from it, get away from it. Well, maybe you need to put a little fleece out, see what happens. Or maybe I am the fleece. <laughs> maybe I am. Maybe I am. Well, some here this morning, maybe you're having a, a, a promise about a, a person or a situation. Just affirm for you. You know, that's what these scriptures are about. You know, beautiful affirmation. Our God never fails. He, he's wonderful, you know. He affirms things. He keeps encouraging us all the time to have our faith strengthened, maybe in the crucible of suffering, which some may be enduring, to be renewed afresh in our love and loyalty for Christ. The, the Spirit of God Himself is here among us. Did you know that? He's here among us as a people this morning. How incredible is that? the greatest encourager you'll ever find. And that's how our faith grows stronger, you see. This is how faith grows because God keeps revealing more of himself to us. We, we, we realise that we're being caught up in the plans of God himself on planet Earth. Do you know how, what a privilege and honour that is to know that? Wow. We see the things that he called us to believe for come to reality. We actually see those things. And even when his promises have not yet been fulfilled. And there were many promises for Abraham that would, you know, that would come in his descendants. Still a long way off. But still, you see, your faith grows strong. It does. It grows strong. As we walk with Jesus, he's growing our faith this very day. Now, there's just one more account in Abraham's life. They want to reflect on it's number four. Can you hang in there? Sorry, this is the little PS one. But anyway, there were 14 chapters. I did the best. I did the best I could. I did the best. Genesis 22, one and two. We, we read um, what I consider to be the most unusual instruction from God to any person in the whole of the Bible. That's, that's how I see this particular account here. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. Oh, what a reply. Do you love that reply? Here I am. 
Samuel's reply, here I am. Hope that's your heart this morning. Here I am, Lord. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. What is God doing here as he tests Abraham? There are often costs associated with the instructions, great costs associated with the instructions or calls that God makes on those who put their faith and trust in him. We saw it in that first instruction that God gave to Abraham. He had to leave his country, all his family networks, all the things that happened in that part of where he was and and he had to head off to an unknown land, just step out in faith. Well, that was a costly call. But you'll notice that accompanying that call was a promise that as he obeyed, great blessings would flow to his family and the whole world. You'll often find that in the place of calls. When they're daunting in particular, you'll get lots of promises from God to encourage you in that place. The call to follow Christ even. But I, I pray we'll all have grappled with this one. I hope we have. But if you hear that, it's a costly call to follow Jesus. You're laying down your whole life for Jesus. That's what, that's what it means. But you think of the blessings. Sin's forgiven. The gift of the Holy Spirit to counsel and guide us every day of our lives. The peace of God to fill our hearts, whatever happens. The promise of eternal life. That's a pretty good listen. I'm just getting warmed up. Wow. So often we get the calls, but there are blessings that go with it. If it's daunting, we get blessings from God. But there's a particular test which God permits to come to the mature in faith. This is only for the, for the godly here this morning or those that have been on the journey for a long time that are strong in faith. This, this doesn't come to those who are young in faith. Yeah. It's a particular test. And it's centred in this, question, um, this particular question. If there was no perceived benefit in obeying Christ, if it appeared that our, our work, our service, our sacrifice would make no difference whatsoever, even possibly seem to undo some of God's kingdom work, would we still respond with loving trust and obedience? That's the question. You will notice in our text here that there is no accompanying promise of what will take place if Abraham is obedient. This most unusual request from God. This is the highest test that one can experience. It's similar to the Job test, in fact, that if every blessing in this life was stripped away, Would we still love and honour God? Would you? Would you? For Abraham, all the promises of God were actually centred in Isaac and God wanted to see if his friend Abraham would be willing to lay them all down if that's what God called him to do. If God asked you to give up the most precious thing, I want you to think about what is the most precious thing in your life. You think about that for a moment. If God asked you to lay that down, would you be willing to obey him? Would you? This is the test of greatest faith. With no prophetic word or promise about how this would end, we see, however, the enormity of Abraham's faith. Why he's, why he's got the title, you know, father of faith. Well, part of the reason anyway. We read in Genesis 20. Two, three, that Abraham did the obedience part of faith and set out the very next day with Isaac and all he needed for the sacrifice. So the obedience part's there. But silent though God may be about the outcome of, 
of Abraham's obedience. Abraham maintains faith in the goodness and greatness of God, even in this very place. Listen, Genesis 22, 5, we read. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there, heading off to the sacrifice area. We will worship and then we, he says, we will come back to you. We're coming back. Whatever was going to happen on the mountain, he believed that he would be returning with his son. When Isaac asked about the lamb for the sacrifice, this was Abraham's faith-filled answer. 22.8, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. God's gonna provide here. But it's in the great faith chapter of the New Testament, Hebrews 11, that we find an even fuller understanding of what Abraham believed on this occasion. Let me read it to you. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Now get get this, verse 19. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. At this point in his walk with God, Abraham was so bolted down on what God had promised through his son that he had full confidence in God's authority even over death itself. And even if everything seemingly ended, God would still win the day. That's this man's faith here. For those who may be unfamiliar with the ending of this story, because you hate an unresolved story, I know that when you come to sermons. At the very last minute, God's angel stays the hand of Abraham. He takes the knife in his hand. A ram's caught in a thicket. It's provided for the sacrifice. And Abraham and Isaac, what? They walk home together. Wow, good ending, eh? Terrific ending. But listen to God's assessment here, because this is the key. This is what it was all about. It was a test. Genesis 22, 12. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. That is an incredible statement that God would make about a man, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. I know that you fear me. I know you fear me. I know you love me. Honour me. The faith of many in this church has been tested in this way. Did you know that? Because this community is filled with those who are mature in the faith. We have many, many, many godly mature people in this church, which I thank God for so much. Men and women who have been asked in their lives to place that which is most precious to them into God's hand. And they've done that. Sometimes they haven't even understood what God was doing or or they couldn't see any blessings that were likely to flow from their submission, but they kept the faith in a good and a loving father. And so God knows how deeply these ones love him in this church. Did you know that? We're all loved by God. I know, I understand that. But this is a special test for the mature of faith. Yeah. And it reveals the greatness, as it did in Job's life, here in Abraham's life, 
the greatness of one's love for God and, of course, God's love for them. This is the tradition of the godly. And so if this is a present test in your life, I pray you will be strengthened in your spirit. Believing, and hear this this morning, believing however things may appear, that you will continue to believe in the resurrection power of our mighty God and his deep, deep love for you. You can trust him, folks, even in the greatest of tests. There's no time for a conclusion this morning. I realize that. I'm just going to go straight to prayer. Are you ready? I want to pray. I invite you to do that. Yeah. Well, Lord, we thank you for your beautiful presence among us here this morning. We've been conscious of it right throughout this service in the ordinariness of coming to church, sharing in communion, singing our praises, listening to your word. But God among us, how special, how incredible. All these wonderful truths that you've revealed to us, Lord. And for some revealing these truths to this very day. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I pray for any who don't know you, they come today. Come into your precious kingdom, I pray. This wonderful life where Jesus walks with us, guides us, grows us, gets us back on track. Oh, God, thank you. You're just, you're just so wonderful. You are the good, good God. And you are a mighty and you are a powerful God. You're a God of resurrection power. Wow. And so I just wanted to pray for a few folks here this morning. Um, if there's anyone here and you've sensed that God may be calling you toward a particular commitment, maybe a role, a task, a responsibility, and, and maybe it does seem a little daunting for you or costly in some way. Well, this morning, I just want to pray for you that, um, that you'll discern or be able to discern God's will. You'll, you'll check it. If this is coming from him, you'll check that. But you're here saying, here I am, Lord. Here I am. That's your heart. And so if that's where anyone is this morning, about a particular matter, a situation, role, I just love you. Just raise your hand very, very briefly. Just put it up. It's an expression of faith. You're saying, Lord, I'm asking for your help. Yeah, there's quite a few hands here. Lord, well, God, these ones and any others that just sensing some of these things at the moment. Well, God, thank you that they're here listening to you. Heart ready to receive. Give them courage, Lord. Strength, I would pray. I ask that you give them some promises too as well. Some, some words that will just say, yeah, this is coming from me. And uh, you're going to be blessed as you are faithful here. Particularly, Lord, if it is a daunting one, um, just, just let them know, Lord. You're going to be with them and bless them and guide them on this track, I pray. Thanks, Lord. If you're here today and you know that maybe you could be a little bit off track in some area, Maybe there's something that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you about. Maybe your whole of your life's off track at the moment. You're here at church, I know, but you know that you're not walking as God wants you to walk. That could be for some. But there may be others, and maybe there is an area that's just not quite right. Just a small area, but there's been some words coming about that, and you've been wondering what you sure shouldn't do about that. Well... I pray you'll open your heart up right now. God's got a plan, a joy-filled plan to return you to trusting in the fullness of Jesus and all the plans he's got for your life. Did you know that? He loves you so much. That's why he's, that's why he's getting you to think about these things right now. 
Now, this might take a little bit of courage, I know that. But if there's anyone that you think, well, that's me this morning. And you just want to slip your hand up. People's eyes are closed here and the cameras are on me. If there's any others, you just want to slip your hand up and say, Lord, yeah, come, yeah. Any others? Yeah. Well, great, Lord, great. Humility of heart. An openness to, to your good work in their lives, Holy One. Oh, Lord. It's because you love us, you get us back on track. And you're deeply committed to do this. And you do it again and again for all of us, Lord. And we just want to say thank you. I do. I pray these ones that have raised their hands here will we'll look back and say, yeah, that was another part where God helped me, put me back to where he wanted me to be. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Bless these hearts, I pray. And then finally... If you're in a place where your very faith and trust in God is being deeply tested, you're grappling with a very costly offering or you're finding it hard to understand what God is doing with your life right where you are at the moment, it doesn't seem to be the blessing life. Well, if that's where you are, I just want to invite you to just put your hand up for a moment. But you'll be actually by doing that, you'll be affirming, I'm just going to look. To you, Lord, I don't, if I see nothing, I'm still going to keep looking to you. Is there anyone in that very testing place? This will be, if you're mature in the faith, it'll be for, for those that are well advanced in their Christian life. Are there any in that sort of place among us being tested in this way? Is there any others? Yeah. All right, Lord. All right. Well, Lord, for these dear ones in a special way, I would pray. Help them remain faithful, Lord, just to love you. Help them, Lord, I pray. I pray for those that are online that have been responding to these two as well, Lord. Just ask for them. Would you be near, Lord? Strengthen, strengthen. Faith, Lord, I pray. Regardless of the circumstances, whatever it looks like, the belief in your great love for them, Lord, and in your resurrection power, I pray. Hold them, Lord. Strengthen them. See them through the test. May they add to the godliness of this community, we pray in Jesus' name. So thank you, Lord, for these prayers. Thanks for these ones, Lord. And now just strengthen us, Lord, as we make a corporate response to affirm our faith and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're going to do that with a song. Um, it's the goodness of God. There's some just great words in here. If you've been on the journey for any length of time, you know how wonderful and true these words are. So if... if if this is your heart this morning, well, just sing this in a final song of worship and praise. And afterwards, and afterwards, make sure you're alert to anything God's got for you, either for you to do or to receive from someone here. Let's stand, worship our great God together. God bless you. God bless you.
together for God. God is so good. I want to say, you know, even part of faith is saying, God, you're the same today 
as you were in Abraham's day. The same God, same principles at work for each one of us. And whether it's a little problem or challenge or situation, uh, let's believe God is big. Well, yeah, put our trust in the fact that He is big. We just put our trust in that. I'd love just to pray for us as a church. Lord, thank You that the, that is the truth. Lord, You're the same, the same God today as Abraham's day. We, we thank You that You are not only a big God, You're a good God. I want to thank You that You love us. Thank You, God, that You have proven Yourself worthy to be trusted. And so, Lord, help us to lean into that. Lord, we want to be a faith-filled people. We want to be trusting You. So help us move in that direction. And I, I do want to pray for each one of us here, maybe with a specific need or situation on their heart today, fill us with faith and help us to move in that faith. Because we, we know, God, that as we do that, there'll be a, a God story on the end of that. We want to thank You that that'll be good. So pray, pray Your blessing over each one here today. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I do just want to say finally, if you would like prayer, we, we have a prayer team that always is here to pray for you. So please make use of that. If you're new to Bridgman, we'd love to welcome you in the Welcomers Lounge there. But have a great day. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.